Well, good morning. How are you today? Uh, if you're joining us online, thank you for choosing Vineyard Church. We are excited about starting this new series called The Power of Love. We're going to look at the importance of love, how we can be more loving, how we can grow in that area. And uh, so we're actually going to take a few weeks in order to uh, let God kind of show us some things and expand our horizon in that area. You know, it's interesting. Sometimes in life, if we're not careful, we can uh, miss what's most important. Sometimes upon reflection, looking back, sometimes looking at God's Word, we realize, wow, I have been putting the wrong emphasis on the wrong things. And so we don't want to do that. We want to make sure and, uh, and keep what's most important in front of us. In fact, you know, I don't know if you know this, but sometimes prosperity, when good things happen to us, when affluence comes upon us, uh, that actually can be more distracting and, and more challenging than adversity. If we're not careful, we can lose what's most important. And in fact, Jesus tells a story about that exact thing. Look at what he says there. Jesus says, there was a rich man who, whose land produced affluence in his life, a big harvest. He asked himself, this rich man asked himself, what shall I do? For I have not space to store my affluence. I have so many things. I have so much uh, going on in my life. God's blessed me so much. What am I going to do? This is what I shall do. I shall tear down my barns and build bigger ones, right? Larger ones. There I shall store all of my grain and other goods, all the cool stuff I've got. And I shall say to myself, now as for you, he's talking to himself, you have so many good things stored up for many years, rest, eat, drink, and be, mer be merry. For, for some of us, I mean, that, we're thinking, this dude's ship has come in. I mean, what a golden parachute. He can retire. He's got all this great stuff. I mean, this is the good life, right? Well, here's what Jesus says. He goes on. He says, but God said to him, uh, no, right? It's not the good life. You fool, this night your life will be demanded of you, and the things you have prepared for yourself to whom they will belong, thus will it be for the one who stores up treasure for himself or herself, but is not rich. So he was rich, but in the wrong thing. He says, not rich in what matters to God. Wouldn't it be a shame to be rich as snot, but in the wrong stuff? So snot sounds right, I guess, right? You know, I mean, in other words, you're, you, you got so much, but it's the things that don't even matter to God. Now, the world, they're okay with that. But as Christ followers, that shouldn't resonate well with us. We should say, wow, I want to make sure I am doing what matters to God. Now, this guy here, this rich guy, it never occurred to him that God had blessed him with all of this so that he could be a blessing to others. It never occurred to him that there might be less fortunate people. No, no, no. It's about getting more and more of stuff for myself. And so Jesus uses this story and he says, hey, don't miss it. Don't miss what's matter. Now, it might not be affluence for you. It might be that you're so busy. That you have, the point is, is his priorities were off. And we can all fall into that where our priorities are misaligned. So it says, if you are a follower of Christ Jesus... All that matters 
is your faith that makes you love others. So he says, not the accomplishments, not all the achievements, not fame or wealth or anything like that. He goes, no, it's really about loving God and loving people. Loving God and loving people. So we're going to look at love, like I said, over the next seven weeks. But today we're going to kind of unpack the most famous chapter on love. I don't know if you know what that is. That's 1 Corinthians 13. If you've been to a wedding, uh, it's, it's, it's probable that they've either had a verse or maybe even the whole chapter. Because the whole chapter is a chapter about love. And it's interesting because when in, in, this, in this letter that Paul writes about love, he uses a lot of repetition. Because repetition is a great way to communicate something's importance. And so he says over and over, this is what love is not. This is what love is not. This is what love is not. And now here's what love is. So we're going to kind of unpack some of those verses right now and look at it. First of all, if I don't live a life of love, nothing I say will matter. Nothing I say will matter. I can talk about love until the cows come home, right? But it's more than what I say. Look at what he says here. He says, if I could speak in any language in heaven or on earth, but I don't love others, I would only be making meaningless noise like a loud gong or a clanging cymbal. So he says, love, with, I mean, words without love is noise. It's noise. It's just empty. And sometimes we can get impressed by people's eloquence and talking you know they're great speakers they're you know they're good communicators and they just ring our chimes you know we think whoa man they're but he but what we're reading here is he going that doesn't mean anything if love is not a big part of that and it certainly doesn't impress God and so it's not just what I say but Nothing I know matters if, if, I'm not saying, if it's not in love. So knowledge is all important to our society. He says, I may have the gift of prophecy. I may understand all the secret things of God and have all knowledge. But if I do not have love, then I am nothing. You could be in this Phi Beta Kappa fraternity or the Mensa Society, the high IQ. You have to have a real high IQ to... To, to qualify to get in there. You could win at Jeopardy every time. I mean, wherever you're at, I mean, some knowledge is, is, is lifted up very high. Science, literature, math. You could be a, a Bible expert, a walking Bible ex, uh, encyclopedia. But if you don't have love, he says, it's worth nothing. He kind of says, all that knowledge is worth nothing. Of course, we're in a, 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 just a time when knowledge is, is just exploding, right? I mean, especially with AI. Now AI is more accessible to us with ChatGPT. I don't know if you have an account, but uh, it's kind of like just came on the scene out of nowhere. It's been around for a little bit, but it really kind of just exploded the last, what, two months? ChatGPT. AI, you know, people are using it for all kinds of reasons. So I decided... Hey, that's the knowledge expert of the day. So what does ChatGPT say about love? I, I was interested. So here's what I, I typed it in, and here's what it said. This is, this is a computer, right, AI. Love is what motivates us to act selflessly and to care for others. Without love, our knowledge and uh, uh, other virtues become empty and meaningless. 
1 Corinthians 13 teaches us that knowledge, while important, must be accompanied by love to be truly valuable and beneficial to ourselves and to others. So here's this computer. Well, it's more than that, right? It's AI. It's AI is supposed to be smarter than all of us, you know, so uh, there's all the fear that's necessary. But here it is. It's saying, AI saying, hey, you still need to love. And, and, and it's coming from, you know, a program that can't love. And it knows better than, you know, than a lot of people. We tend to elevate knowledge. is so big, so important. The knowledge half-life is, is, keeps reducing. And if you look that up, there's like this statistical uh, thing that shows that, uh, that it's, it's, it's going at an exponential rate. That for a while it was like every hundred years. The, IBM recently has projected that the knowledge half-life, in other words, all human knowledge doubles, will double. It's it's now down to just like years, and it'll it'll turn into months. And it, you know, it's just going in, in that direction. But you know, it's interesting with all the knowledge we have. That's a lot of knowledge, right? It just keeps doubling, up. and yet we still have terrorism, we still have hatred and prejudice, and we have. Um, injustice we have abuse we have crime you think knowledge would solve that no it's because the world doesn't need more knowledge the world needs more love that's what god is saying that hey listen oh you can have all the knowledge and yet if you miss what what matters most which is love you end up with nothing better than what you had before nothing i believe will matter Nothing I believe will matter. Now, that might shake some of you up, especially if you've been in the evangelical world for a long time. Because you, I mean, sometimes we kind of walk away thinking, all I need to do is say a couple doctrinal truths, and I'm good to go. You know, I'm good to go. Jesus is Lord. Boom. Man, I, that's a, but you know, the Bible says that that's not enough. Just some doctrinal truths. Look at what it says here. It says, even if I have the gift of faith so that I could speak to a mountain and make it move, I will still be worth nothing at all without love. In other words, you could be a miracle worker. You could believe uh, that Jesus is, 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 you know, is God. You know, it's interesting. In James 2, it says that even the devil believes that Jesus is the Son of God. And the devil's not in heaven. You know, you're not going to find him there. Hey, devil. Yep, I made it. I just believe that. That's not, that's not how it works. You see, you got to have love. You, it's not just some doctrinal truths. We need to live that out. That's why I like to use the phrase, a Christ follower. You hear me say that almost always as opposed to, I rarely say the phrase, the, the term Christian. Not that I don't believe in being a Christian. I think it, But I just think that sometimes... That's associated with having a doctrinal truth you've attached to it. Where a Christ follower is describing an action. I'm walking out. I'm trying to follow Christ. And that's part of what it means to love. To love God. Look at what the Bible says here. Great verse. If we say we love God, but don't treat others kindly. We hate others. He says, that's pretty rough, right? He says, we're not telling them that we're liars. He says, you can say, because sometimes people do that, right? Oh, I'm good with God. Me and God, we've got, you know, we've got our thing. I just don't like people, you know. I just don't like 
the church. I just don't like, and he says, no, if you have a problem with people, you've got a problem with God. What is he getting at there? He's saying love is foundational. It's foundational. We have to love just believing is not enough. And then nothing I give will matter. Generosity is important, right? Sure. But we need to do it with love. Look at what it says here. If I gave everything I have to the poor, that's digging deep, everything I have to the poor, and I'm a martyr. I sacrifice my body. But if I didn't do it out of love, it would have no value at all. I mean, in a way, that's shocking. You give it all. You give everything you have to the poor, and then you're a martyr. And he goes, it's still worthless if it didn't have love to it. And that's true with giving. See, giving, sometimes we give so we can get back, right? Quid pro quo. I give that because I'm really kind of expecting, you know, it's my turn now. You know, or we give to control. Parents are good at that. You know, I'll give, yeah, I'll pay for that, but I expect this. You know, we we'll, sometimes we'll give out of guilt. I wasn't there for you. So I guess I'll just give to appease my guilt, to appease my guilt. I've talked to um, husbands that they're like, they don't understand why their spouse is leaving them. And they'll say, you know, sometimes they'll say, Andy, I gave them everything, you know. Bought them this, bought them that. Did you give, them, did you give her love? Oh, I missed that one. <laughs> but, but I gave them all this other stuff, and they're totally unappreciative. Sometimes parents do that with kids, right? You know, I, gave, I bought this for them. I, bought the, I put them through the best school, and, 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 and this is how they treat me. Did you love them? Because that's really what they needed, not all the stuff, not all the things money can buy. And so having love be the motivation, love be the motivation. You can give without love, but you can't love without giving. Giving is important, but it needs to be done out of love. And then number five, nothing I accomplish will matter if I don't do it with the right motive, with love. No matter what I say or what I believe or what I do, I'm bankrupt without love. You could start a business and make it a multi-billion, multi-million dollar business or billion dollar business. You get the Nobel Peace Prize. You can become famous and be on the cover of a magazine, Fortune or Time or whatever. If you don't have love, all that stuff, he says, ends up being meaningless. It's not worth squat. If you miss what's most important. So here's a summary of what we just looked at in 1 Corinthians. God says, I can have the eloquence of an orator, the knowledge of a genius, the faith of a miracle worker, the generosity of a philanthropist, the achievement of a superstar. But if I don't have love in my heart, it's worth zero. A goose egg. Worthless. Because we missed what mattered most. Sometimes we get so focused on achievements and grades and the sports trophies and the resume and the endorsements, and we think those are what's most important, and, we, and then we just miss it. Our priorities were mixed up. Now, if you look to the world to get your priorities, those are the things you're going to go after. Those are the things that are going to impress you. 
But when you get rooted in Scripture, you get rooted, let the Holy Spirit speak to you and, and reveal to you what's most important, you'll start to realize, no, no, what's most important is, do I love God? Do I love other people? Am I treating, you know, the great commandment. Love God with all your heart and love others as you would, you know, as you would yourself. Loving is the primary objective in life. We don't want to miss that. So if love's so important, what is love? Well, I think sometimes we get confused about that. Because in our society, we use love in a lot of different ways, right? Oh, man, I love donuts. I love God. I love pizza. I love hanging out at the beach. Oh, I'd love to do that with you. Oh, I love my, my kids. I mean, we just, and when love becomes used so, 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 uh, you know, for everything, it really doesn't mean a whole lot, right? And so what really is love? I mean, we, talk, we, we hear songs about love and read books about love, movies about love, but nobody stops to define love, so let's go to Google. <laughs> Deep romantic or sexual attachment to somebody. Okay, or we can go to the dictionary, the Webster Dictionary, strong affection or attraction based on sexual desire. Sex keeps coming up because our culture, we get that. We, we understand sex, and sometimes we confuse that, thinking sex is love. You know, kind of reduce it down to, you know, what a middle schooler can understand. You know, like, yeah, yeah, I got that. But it's more than that. It's more than that. Actually, a lot of songs, love songs, are actually so, are really lust songs. And here's why. Because lust is all about give me. Gimme, 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 baby. You know, give it to me now. If you don't give it to me, I'm going to get it somewhere else. I'm going to go somewhere else. I mean, that's, those are songs about lust. Love is about giving. Let me give. Let me give. So some guy, if you're dating and your boyfriend goes, hey, if you love me, you'll let me. That's lust. That's not love. He's talking out of lust. Because if he's talking out of love, your response could be, but if you love me, you'll wait. You'll put me first. So we understand lust, but we confuse that with love. And so if we're going to get a new perspective, God's perspective on what love is, we have to first realize, no, lust is something different. But love is what we're striving towards so let's look at that as i said we're gonna actually spend a few weeks on it because it takes it's gonna take a little bit of um movement towards this in order to see some some change in our lives what does it take to be a great lover well what is love first of all we have to understand love is a command it's a command from god that we he goes i want you to love now jesus actually says in the sermon on the mount that if you just love people that love you back, anybody can do that. So that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about loving when it's not easy to love. People that don't deserve it. People that are difficult to love. And so it's, but he says it's not optional. He says love means doing what God has commanded us. And he has commanded us to love one another. Some people think, you know what, I'm not, I don't need love. No, you, you know, you can exist without love. But you can't really live the life God has for you without love. We, and you certainly can't please God without love. We need love in our lives, and we are also commanded to love, which what that means is, is love is not a feeling. Here's why. Because 
if, if, see, feelings come and go. All of a sudden you have a feeling towards something that goes. And if God's commanding it and you don't do it because it's attached to a feeling, it means that God's asking you to do something you can't do. Does that make sense? You know what I'm saying? He commands it. He, and so if you don't do it, it's a sin. So, and that's why it's not a feeling. It's, it's something we can do regardless of feeling. This is, where, this is challenging for sometimes because sometimes we think, well, if I don't feel love and I act loving, I'm being a hypocrite. Well, that's not true. You see, when you act in a loving way, you're doing what God is commanding you to do. Your feeling is going to go up and down. Feel, we can't control feelings. Feelings happen, you know, for all kinds of reasons. Feelings are emotions. So sometimes, and you can have a loving feeling, but then all of a sudden you don't feel so loving. You know, the minute they say something to hurt your feelings or, you know, you, something happens and you go, well, I don't love you anymore. You're not out of a feeling because you are commanded to love, which means it's a choice. You can choose to love and you can choose not to love. It's a choice you get to decide. So he says, go after a life of love as if your life depended on it, because it does. See, it's a volitional act. You can choose, I'm going to love. It's really a myth, you know, that a lot of people buy into that, hey, I can't choose it. You know, kind of like, you know, around Valentine's Day, Cupid appears, right? And it's, the reason you fall in love is that myth is, is it's, it's Cupid's fault, right? You know the story behind that Greek mythology, Venus is the goddess of love and Mars is the god of war and they come together and they have Cupid and then he's evolved over time. Today, Cupid's kind of like a chubby kid with a little bow and arrow, right? And if he, and if he gets you with his arrow, you, you, oh, I fell in love. Problem is, is that love feelings can go away. And so if you base your relationships on a feeling like that, not the fact that you're doing it because God tells you to do it and because it's a choice, you can easily, human, wear, human love wears out. And so next thing you know, you don't have love feelings for that person. And so often that's how people make their decisions of whether they're going to get stay married or get divorced or, or stay with somebody or be committed to somebody. It's because I don't feel loving. I, I like them, but I don't love them anymore. Here's what really what Paul's saying is he's saying choosing to love when you don't feel like it is a higher level of love. When you're under the gun money-wise, you don't have the money, all the pressure, somebody's sick, somebody can't uh, love you back like you want to, or they, you think they can and they choose not to, there's all kinds of reasons why we can think, I'm done with you. I don't want to love you anymore. I certainly don't feel that way. And, um, and you choose to love, you know. You might live with somebody who's, you know, they're grumpy all the time. Like the guy, you know, the two guys were talking. He goes, hey, do you, do you wake up grouchy? He goes, no, I usually let her sleep in. <laughs> or him, you know. I mean, I don't want to pick on anybody, but. But we love people regardless of what they're going through or their personality quirks because God loves us regardless. I mean, we don't deserve the love he gives us. And so if, we, if, if, we, if God gave us what we deserved, that wouldn't be pretty. And so we give people what they don't deserve, which is love, which is love. So love is a choice. Love is also a conduct. It's an action. It's, it's, a, it's a way we, we can actually act out love, again, regardless of feelings. 
says, let us stop just saying we love people. Let us really love them and show it by your actions. So it's one thing to say something. It's another thing to actually act in a loving way. You know, act in a loving way. It's like those three pastors that went fishing together. They went on a little boat. And they were off from the shore. And they decided to be transparent and talk a little bit about maybe their own personal struggles. So the first pastor speaks up. He goes, yeah, well, I still struggle with greed. That's, that's been kind of in my life for a long time, and I can't seem to get free from it. The next pastor goes, well, I still struggle with lust. I've had a lust problem for a while, and I struggle with that. And so they both look at the other pastor who hasn't spoken yet. They go, well, what about you? He goes, well, you don't really want to hear what I have to say. They go, yeah, we've, all been, we've been open opening up. What, what, what do you struggle with? He goes, well, I struggle with gossip, and I can't wait to get off this boat. <laughs> That's not very loving, right? It's a choice you can have. I mean, we all struggle with things, and then we can use that as an excuse of why I'm not being loving. But the truth is, it is a choice, and it is a behavior, it's an action that I can walk out regardless of the temptation of, I want to act a different way, I want to do something that's not loving, but I'm going to choose to be loving. One of the problems we often have is we're just, we're too busy, or we're too tired, uh, and we miss opportunities. There's opportunities every day to be loving, every day. If we're looking for them, you know, the interruptions that come in, and many times we will miss it, but it's an opportunity to show love through conduct. And then love is a commitment. It's something that you're committed to, and committed because love is always found in relationship. It's easy to be loving by yourself, right? I'm the most loving person when I'm all alone. I look at myself, Andy, look at you. You're so loving. The minute somebody walks in the door, leave me alone. I have alone time going on. You know, I mean, that's where it gets hard. Love is a commitment. It says God is love. If we keep on loving others, others, we will stay one in our hearts with God, and he will stay one with us. So God's love is durable. It's durable. It sticks in even when it's being very, very hard. It's being challenged. And here's the thing. Mature love will always be challenged. What we're talking about today, it will be challenged. And so that's kind of good news because you'll get an opportunity regularly to test how you're doing, how you're growing in that area. Now, let me just give you a warning. I know we're going to be studying this for the next several weeks, but um, I'm not very good at this. You might not, maybe you're thinking, well, let's get somebody else then, you know. <laughs> That's fair. I'm just telling you, I'm not all that loving. And it bothers me. So that's the good news, that I'm not, like, happy with it. Like, yeah, well, suck it up, you know. No, I'm not happy with it. But when I do, when I think about it and I reflect, I think, Andy, you're, you're not, you're, you're kind of an unloving person. And that, I'll, I'll let you know, that bothers me. So I tell you that because for some of you, you're thinking, hey, you know, you're, I want you to evaluate. How are you doing at that area? And some of the times we think to ourselves, well, that's just not my temperament. You know, so-and-so, they're like born loving, baloney. We're born selfish. 
We're not born loving. We grow in loving actions. We grow in that commitment. We grow in that choice. That is, it's like a muscle. You work it and you grow in that area. So we're going to try to do this together. We all can grow in this area of love. So let's, here's what I want to do for this week. This week, I want you to begin with making a commitment to say, I want to act and respond in more loving ways, which means you have to have a new perspective. I want to have God's perspective on this thing. I'm going to, I'm going to choose to have God's definition of love operating in my life and not the world's way. Well, what does the world say? Well, the world, they look to love, they look at the animals, maybe instincts that animals have. They'll reduce love down to some chemical stuff going on in our brain, proteins in our body, hormones. I mean, that's the secular world that we're steeped in. And so there's really very little morality connected to love at all. It's all just chemical processes and stuff like that. No, God says, no, that's not at all what it is. And so we need to say, no, I'm going to choose to act and respond how God wants me to. Also, I'm going to start each day with a daily reminder. So for this week, each day I'd want you to get up and remind yourself, hey, today I want to be loving. Here's the reason. Because if you wait until the conflict, you wait until the confrontation, you wait until the tension that happens, it's hard to remember it. And then, you, and then we just regret. We look back and we think, well, I could have handled that better. You know? So what we want to do is remind ourselves up front, I want to be more loving. Because people are what matters, not achievements. A lot of times, and for me, I, I, have, a, I have a daily planner. I plan out my day. I've got goals and objectives and all these things. And, and so I can easily you know, check all that off and then feel good about it. But if I miss loving opportunities, which God will bring your way, he will bring people that you need to love. And if I miss those, it doesn't matter what I achieved, right? We looked at that in 1 Corinthians. I mean, there's, it, who cares? I have no reason to feel good about a, a bunch of check marks if I missed loving people around me. So we remind ourselves, I want to love people. Practice acting in unselfish, loving ways. As, as I said, it's kind of like a muscle. You grow in that. If, when, if you, uh, when you first started driving, you know, you weren't an expert driver. You thought you were an expert driver. But you weren't an expert driver, right? You were like, had to learn how to parallel park and had to, and then if you're, if you're my age, most of us learned on a, on a, on standard transmission. So you had that stick shift and you got the clutch and, you know, you're screeching and doing all kinds, you know, trying to do all that. And after a while, it's just like, you know, hey, I got it. I got it now. And love is like a lot like that. As we start to work on that, as we focus for the next seven weeks, we say, let's grow together in becoming more loving. You will grow in that capacity to do that. And then lastly is get a support, get people around you that have that same goal, which is why we talk about small groups. You're going to have that if you sign up for the ladies' retreat. It's a time where together where we, uh, the, the women in this church are going to grow and learn how to love each other better. And I think that's, you know, that's a great way to, to take that step uh, in that direction. Learn, you know, meet some new people. You go, I don't need any more people. Well, <laughs> I'm not sure that's, think about that, okay? I'm not sure that's the most loving way to approach that. Because we want to commit, no, I need people in my life 
that will help me to grow in this area where I can become more loving. Keep company with God and learn a life of love. Observe how Christ loved us. His love was not cautious, but extravagant. Jesus didn't love in order to get something back, but to give everything of himself to us. Love like Jesus loved us. Love like that. You go, Andy, that's a pretty high bar. It is. It is. And as I said, human love wears out, so this is impossible without the power of the Holy Spirit. Inviting God's presence into your life. Letting God direct you. And saying yes when you hear that, when you sense that prompting. Because a lot of times we will second guess, well, that can't be God. No, just if it's loving, it's probably God. If it's, if, if it's outside your comfort zone and you know it would bless somebody else, even though they don't deserve it, it's probably God. And so just start leaning in. Holy Spirit, show me, direct me. Last verse. Three things that will last forever. This is at the end of that chapter. Three things that will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. So love's in there. These three things, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Have you ever wondered why that's the greatest? I mean, faith and hope are pretty important. Well, when you get to heaven, he's talking about forever. When you get to heaven, you, I mean, do you need faith? There it is. You know, you're in the presence of, the, of, of God and in the kingdom of God and, 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 and its fullness. And hope, you know, you'll have everything you need. Everything's provided. I mean, it's heaven. But love, the Bible says God is love. And so love will continue all throughout eternity. It's the greatest of all. It matters the most. And so it's worth talking about. It's worth adding that to our toolbox, saying my repertoire. I need to make sure that everything I'm doing, it's guided by loving God more and loving people. Let's bow our heads and pray. Well, would you take a moment and, because when we talk about something like love, it can, it can feel esoteric, it can feel kind of out there, it can feel mushy. We're not talking about that. We're talking about the kind of love that caused Jesus to volitionally go through the the trial that he went through, the whipping, the crown of thorns, the humiliation, the cross. He was doing something volitionally because he wanted the joy that happens on the other end of that, which is those who put their faith in Christ experience something brand new in their life. Their life gets filled with God's love. And they now start to react differently to the world around them. Some of you struggle with loving, particularly some people, because of some pain in your past. You weren't loved by people who should have loved you. Maybe it was a parent. Maybe it was a pastor. Maybe it was some influential person you had trusted, you opened yourself up to. Could be your own kids. And that can cause such deep wounding and pain. That there's a part of us that just shuts down to the area of love. We just go, I'm not going to love like that. It's just too painful. My prayer for you is that you would not live like that. That you'll always be surprised when somebody hurts you because you're loving. 
The Bible says that perfect love casts out fear. It casts out all of that. Instead of living in fear of, I can't, you know, I can't afford to have somebody hurt me. That's living a life of fear. So I'll never really open up. My prayer for you is that you experience some of God's perfect love. He pours that into your life. That you grow out of the shallows. You move out of the shallows into the deeper parts. Start to act in more mature, loving ways. Regardless of how you feel. Maybe that was you. When I talked about feeling like a hypocrite, if you feel one way then and you act differently. But my friends... Love is not like that. We can't control our feelings many times. You can always control whether you choose to love. Whether you choose to give in to selfishness or fear or hurt. Or you rise above that and say, God, with your help, I'm going to be loving. I'm going to demonstrate that in my home, at work in my church, in my sphere of influence. And that's my prayer for you. Father, I just pray, Lord, that you cause each and every person here, those watching online as well, Lord, that you cause us to be more loving, to realize it's not a feeling. We can love, love we can feel feelings of love, but love is not that. It's a commandment that you give. It's a choice we make. It's a behavior we follow through. It's durable. It's a commitment. But we know we can't do it without your help. If you're here this morning and you're saying, hey, I, those are great ideals. I don't know how to get there. I am letting, I'm here to tell you, you cannot do it on your own. You do need the power of the Holy Spirit. You need God's presence in your life. The power of love that Jesus demonstrated on the cross can be the very motivation that you that, available to you. And you do that just by inviting Christ into your life. Christ's presence is here. This, that's, the, that's what the Holy Spirit is. It's the Spirit of Christ. And so we take, through prayer, we take a moment and we invite Christ into our life and watch the Holy Spirit start to change our perspective. Give us power we never had before. Power for living. Power for forgiving. Power for living a life of joy. Some of you need to invite Christ into your life right now and I want to pray with you right where you're at. You can just pray this prayer. Just follow me. If, this is, if you're saying, Andy, that's me. I want to pray that prayer. Then do this with me right now. Just say, dear God, right where you're at, in your mind, or just whisper it. Say, today I want to put my faith in you, and I need your love to start to change who I am. Would you say, God, help me to become more loving, to walk in that. Would you say, God, I need your, your, your power so that I can live the life you've asked me to live. See, God, forgive me for the times I've screwed up and I've acted in selfish, unloving ways. 
Help me not to live under guilt or shame, but help me to live with a new sense of purpose. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, if you prayed with me, let me know about it. I'd love to hear about your personal faith journey. Uh, you can do that on the commitment cards that are in the seat back right behind you. Uh, just write on there, Andy, I prayed with you. Any prayer requests that you might have on your way out, you'll see a clear box next to the door. You can just put that in there, and we'll be sure to help uh, pray for you and help you in your next steps with, in your journey. Well, we have step two uh, today. If that's our growth track, that's to help you in your spiritual journey. We'd love to invite you to be part of that, help you to take uh, your next steps as far as journeying with us in, 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 uh, at Vineyard Church. Okay, We do have our baptism next week. Hope if for some of you, you've been thinking about it. Uh, that's, if you want to know, one of the ways that you can love God is, is by being baptized because Jesus said that's what, uh, that's what he requires of us. That's what he wants us to do. And Jesus, in fact, got baptized himself just to demonstrate the importance of it. And so we'd love to have you be part of that. You can ask people at the inf information desk right on your card. I want to know more, more about baptism and we'll be sure to contact you, okay? That's next weekend. Well, would you stand with me? Let's go ahead and, and pray. Uh, if you uh, want to give towards the vision of this church, you can certainly do that online. You can do that through texting. Uh, we provide different ways. If you're new with us, we're just glad that you're here. Uh, and uh, we hope that God has moved on you and done something special in your life. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for uh, our opportunity to study your word. Lord, help us to grow. Help us to move towards you. Lord, I pray over each relationship here, Lord, especially ones that are strained and are having challenges that need an injection of love, that you do that, you do that this week. Let your hand be upon every home, every relationship. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing together.